0: going to be studying on consecration sanctification and some other things that are associated with that that we need to focus on to get to the place where God wants us to I really want to be able to put down I'm I'm a news junkie that's my that's my problem I can I can there and I'll take in all that news and a lot of it is all negative news so, I'm, I'm going to make a pledge that I'm going to let that go because we know what the news is going to be. In the end, we win. Amen. Amen. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That's what I'd love the Lord to do. Would you like tomorrow for the Lord to do some amazing things? Amen. Would you like the Lord to do some amazing things? Now, I don't think there's one of us here that doesn't have a battle going on. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's financial, financial, maybe it's relationship, but there is a battle going on. Satan only left Jesus for a season, right? So if he only left Jesus for a season, he's going to be hitting us every day. He's gone away already planning, okay, what can I hit him up with next? Maybe the car will break down. <laughs> Maybe the car will break down. He's tried a few things with me and I'm, I'm just giving my testimony. He burned down our house one time, actually twice, <laughs> but that didn't work. Amen. You know, that didn't work. So he can, he's going to come and, and attack you in whatever way he can. But Joshua was preparing the people of Israel. He says, consecrate yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things. Among you. This was in preparation for them crossing over and going into the the promised land. So, we're going to do a little bit of background before we get there. When are we saved? When are we saved? Well, let me give you what Paul said to Thessalonians. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. How? How has he chosen you to salvation? Through sanctification. The process of salvation is through sanctification. A modern rendering of that would be separation. God has chosen us to salvation through separation. The whole world is not going to be saved. Jesus said broad is the way that leads to destruction. Not everybody is going to be saved. So there has to be a demarcation there has to be a separation there's got to be some something that demarks those who are saved and those who are not you go out there and you ask person are are you going to heaven maybe 80 90 percent of them would say yeah i'm going to heaven why i'm a good person i'm a i'm a good person i'm a good person i i i i I, you know don't run over cats in the road and i i escort (laughs) ladies across the street you know they have in their mind the criteria that makes them a good person but there is a separation that leads to salvation and we're going to look at it when we are saved the bible says it's he has chosen us to salvation and the process how he's chosen us is that we have to be separate there's got to be a difference between those who are saved and those who are not what's the difference let's look at three words that are used in the bible um, to do with holiness and sanctification so holiness in the in the in the hebrew is kodesh the related word that's close to it is kadesh which is sanctification and then the word that's the opposite of that which means common is shalal, which means profane when someone In the original meaning of the word profane, meaning it was common. Like a penny is common, right? That's probably the most minted coin. Like if you're walking down Highland Avenue and you see a penny in the mud, you may or may not pick it up. (laughs) Depending on where you are in life. (laughs) You know, there's been time I've been in my car and a, and a nickel would have made a difference and I'm searching the seats. I'm looking for the nickel. <laughs> there have been times when that would have made a big difference if I could have found that nickel. Man, I know there's a nickel in there somewhere. Right? So, so, But profane means something that's common. Something that is co- so common that we don't value it. That's the real meaning when it says profane something that is used without respect you don't value it it's 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 like dirt it's like sand nobody goes to the beach and goes wow i found a grain of sand nobody does that because there's billions and billions it's common and what god is saying that his his lifestyle his words his his calling should not be profane It's not to be common. You're supposed to be a unique, called-out person. The Bible says a peculiar people, a holy generation. So let's look at those words before we go into it in depth. Let's look at the definitions. Uh, And and Kodesh, which is used in the Hebrew Bible, it means holy. It's a state of being, a set-apartness, something that is especially unique unique you know the great thing about they say snowflakes is that there's not one that they found that is the same as the other isn't that amazing that there's billion countless zillions of snowflakes and they say that the crystalline structure everyone is unique now if god takes that much trouble with something that is so common think about you What makes something valuable is the fact that there's only one of it, right? There's only one picture of the Mona Lisa that makes it valuable. If there was 10,000 of them, it wouldn't be so valuable. But it's because God has only made one of you that you are so precious and valuable to him. You may not think so because you say, well, there's 7,000 or 8,000. I heard the number went up to 8,000 million other human beings but here's the thing not one of them is you that means god created you for a purpose and so holiness is speaking about something that is an especially unique state that is really the opposite of common or profane and in fact in ezekiel he gives he gives uh, a scripture that says and they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and profane and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. Where, remember in Thessalonians he said that the, the process of salvation is through sanctification. It's through separation. And so we have to understand that if we're going to be saved. We can't be profane. We can't be just like everybody else. The Bible says having our conversation. That means our lifestyle in heaven. We can't be like everybody else. Or else what we're saying is that we're we're profane. We're just like them. We're common. So holiness is a unique state. It It is the destination. Let's put it that way. Sanctification is the journey. That's the difference. Sanctification is the process to which we become holy. We get to the destination. But sanctification or separation is the process. So... Kadesh leads to Kodesh, so to speak. So sanctification and holiness is the destination and sanctification, consecration is the process. And I'm going to go into all of these words during uh, the next few weeks here. We're going to study that. Leviticus 20 verse 7 says, sanctify yourselves. Wow. I cannot make myself holy, but I can separate myself you understand what I'm saying? I can start the journey. That's on me. That's not on God. Doesn't that say sanctify yourselves? There's some things this month I need to withdraw from if I want to get close to God. God isn't going to do it. I have to do it. I have. He says draw near to me and then I will draw near to you. We want it all on God. You do everything, God. That's not how it works. You want your prayers answered this month, you're going to have to do some movement. You're going to have to do the pro- start the process. Sanctification is upon us. Holiness, the destination, is, is where God is. And he will even make it easy. He'll come a little bit closer. He said, you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. He, he's willing to meet us halfway. But if we won't move, we're not going to get there we're not going to get there amen then we have the the, the 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 another definition of being separate and that is hagasio. that's the New Testament Greek word for the same thing so to sanctify is to literally set apart for a particular use in special purpose or work and to make holy or sacred so sanctify comes from a Latin word which means to to be holy or to to start the journey of separation. So just to go over it again, uh, end result of of sanctification will be you will be holy. The end result of defilement though will be you will be profane. You will be profane. You will be common. You'll be like a grain of sand, right? That's not something you go to to the beach to pick up, a grain of sand. Because there's billions of them. So sanctification, though the process, is aided by the Holy Spirit. We have to make the choice, but then when we invite the Holy Spirit, it then helps us. That's what the comforter is. He says, I'm going to send you another comforter, yet not another comforter. I will, I'm will. i with you, but I'm going to be what? In you. And that is the reason we need the Holy Spirit to help us on this journey of sanctification. And here's one of my favorite scriptures. I love this scripture. It's in Hebrews ten fourteen, Because uh, it's just such an, if you study this scripture, it, it blows my mind. It says, for by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Let's, let's take that scripture apart. Let's take that. For by one offering, what offering? His death. Right? By his death, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. What is Jesus saying? What is this? What is the rite of Hebrews saying? He is saying that if you begin the process of sanctification, if you begin the process of the journey, he declares you perfect. He declares you perfect. Isn't that amazing? I'm going I'm to go on that topic a little more because I want you to get what, what he's saying. For by one offering, that means Jesus isn't going to die every day. Jesus is not going to die every day. He's died one time. And by that one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, them that are on the journey, them that are separating themselves. He's declaring us perfect. Now, if we really could get that in our spirit, that gives you so much joy, so much peace. Because when I look in the mirror, I look at a very imperfect person. I look at someone who's got many weaknesses, many failures, many regrets, many bad choices. But here's what God is saying, and he has the power to do it. He is still declaring me perfect as long as I am on the journey. I haven't reached there yet. And how can he do that? How can he declare me perfect when I've only taken the first step? You know what he says? He calls those things that are not as though they are. Think about that. He calls those things that are not. That's me and you. As though they are. The moment you come to him in faith believing. He said to that woman. Caught in the act of adultery. Says woman where art thou thine accusers? She says there are none Lord. He says neither do I. He was declaring her forgiven. Declaring her perfect. Isn't that Amazing. Do you get it? For by one offering, all you have to do is start the journey to sanctification. All you have to do is get on your knees and ask God for mercy and forgiveness. All you have to do is start the journey and he declares you perfect. You're not there yet, but you know what he's doing? He's calling those things that are not as though they are. We could we could spend the whole bible study on that because that is such a powerful thing if you believe it if you believe if you believe this this is such a powerful concept that that's why the bible says in hebrews 4:16 we can come boldly to a throne of grace not a throne of judgment to a throne of grace why there to obtain mercy see so sanctification is by the Spirit. So separation of unholy things by the Spirit. And when we do that, he declares us. Not that we are, but he declares us perfect. He declares us perfect. He, he said on the cross, it is finished. Paid in full. Not that we weren't guilty, but it's been paid in full. Case dismissed. Romans says, who can lay any charge to God's elect? It is God that does what? Just as if I hadn't done it. It is God that justifies. I'm, 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 I'm hammering this because if you can get this, it's going to make you a prayer so much stronger. Because you're going to pray with more faith. You're not going to pray with all the accusations the devil is saying. Well, you know what you did last week. And you know how how lazy you are. And you know you haven't done all the things you're supposed to do. You haven't reached holiness yet, but you started the journey. And then God declares you perfect. He doesn't die every day you mess up. No. No, it's for us to die every day we mess up. (laughs) That's what Paul says, I die daily. Amen. I'm going to show you how this works. There was a man in the Old Testament in Genesis by the name of Abram at the time. And God told him, listen, I want you to start a journey. I want you to separate yourself from the people where you are because they're all idol worshipers. I can't do anything with you there. I've got a plan for you. I've got such a great plan for you, you can't even understand it or see it yet but through you abraham the whole world is eventually going to be blessed every nation is going to be blessed if you will start the journey if you will take the step if you will leave ur of the chaldees that's the challenge for us in 2024 Are we going to leave Ur of the Chaldees? Are we going to go through this month the same as if nothing different is happening? God is calling us because through us, who knows what mighty works he can do? How you can influence somebody else. Leviticus 11, 44. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves. That means, again, it's something upon us. We can't make ourselves perfect, but we can start to separate ourselves. We can take the first step from some stuff that's a mess or from stuff that's maybe not a mess, but just a distraction in our lives. Some stuff that we've put too much time in so that we're not giving God much priority. We do have some choices, right? We can't blame it all on God. The devil made me do it. Your honor, the devil made me do it. I don't know what happened. Usually that doesn't work, does it? No, that doesn't work. The only way you're going to get out of that is if you do a David, right? You foam at the mouth and pretend you're crazy. Then they may let you off, but just saying the devil made me do it. (laughs) If I told my dad that when I was a a little boy, boy, I'd have gotten a whooping. (laughs) He'd have told me, all right, I'm going to beat the devil out of you. (laughs) Since the devil made you do it, come here, I'll show you. (laughs) The Lord is speaking to us. And in telling us, listen, be ye separate, start the journey. Let me show you something in Genesis 12:1. Notice how the call of God to Abraham is phrased. Now the Lord had said, had said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. You know what that implies? God has spoken to him more than once. It took him a while to get going. God has spoken to us, let's be honest. Spoken to me many times. And sometimes it takes us a while to actually obey him. And so we wonder why nothing happened. Well, nothing happens because we're not doing anything. I have a friend who is an entrepreneur, he's a pretty wealthy guy, and he told me one of his business secrets. And I've told you this before. He says, do nothing, nothing happens. Do something, something happens. That's a very profound and deep business plan. But a lot of people want to do nothing and have something happen. That's not how it works, even with God. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. We're talking about the journey of sanctification here. And from the phraseology, you can see it was in the past tense. So God had said to him probably more than once. But finally, he did move. He did move. He did move. In Acts chapter 7, verse 2, Because in the Old Testament, it doesn't reveal everything. In the New Testament, we find that when Stephen was being uh, tried before the Sanhedrin, and he's recounting the history of Israel, he, he fills in a little bit more detail on the call of Abraham. And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran. And said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall show thee. Again, it's implying that this took a while for Abraham to obey, to actually do something. Genesis eleven thirty-one. And Terah took Abraham his son and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Lot and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his sons, Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to, to go. So now he decides he's going to obey, and he starts the journey. And where was he supposed to go? To the land of Canaan. That's where God told him to go. So they started with the intent of going, but he's trying to take everybody with him. God said, be separate. I'm calling you out of that. So he obeys by taking as much of that with him. (laughs) That's us. Right? God says, stop doing that. Don't go there. So we find a way to take some of it with us. And then he stops. He stops. They they, they left Ur of the Chaldees and they journeyed till they came to Haran. Then they stopped. And they stopped there for five, five years, I believe, until his father died. Then he started the journey again. But the mercy of God is that as soon as we get up and start back on the road, his declaration comes back into force. The Bible says, a righteous man falleth down what? But he's still righteous. Why? Because he gets back up. It's not that we're going to maybe be perfect and always keep going. But don't stop. Don't pause. Don't go to the left or the right. Get up. Even if you've fallen down, get up. The moment you start on the journey again, God's declaration comes back into force. Now, all this time, God had given him a promise. When he first I said, through your seed... All the nations of the earth will be blessed. He was already old when he left. He was 75. But who to tell why it took so long for Isaac to come was because he was taking too long on his journey. He didn't get to where God wanted him to be for many years. In fact, you'll find God God stopped speaking to him for a little bit. It wasn't until eventually he really was by himself. Finally, when Lot left him, that God spoke to him again and said, okay, now, now you are where I want you to be. And that the declaration that he told him many years before had not changed. It now started to come into being. The declaration when you first got saved, where God said, I've called you, I've chosen you, I've signed, has not changed. It's us that have sit down or gone off the track or, or, or got discouraged but what I'm trying to tell you today, he hath perfected forever, forever, them who he is. Let me go back to that scripture because I love it so much. I'm going the wrong way here. Let me go back here. For, for by one offering he hath perfected forever. He doesn't have to give the blessing again. All you have to do is get up. Leave Heron start back on the journey of separation. God has got such gifts, such blessings. Bible says, I have not seen, ear hath not heard what he's got prepared. Most of us are so far, so far from what God really would like to pour into us. We're so far from, you know why? Because we, we've, we we probably even haven't gotten to Haran yet. We we, we we just left the the city of Ur. That's all about where how far we got. <laughs> we can see the gate of Ur, and then maybe like uh, Lot's wife, we're looking back and starting to think about it. God had promised the Jews freedom, and yet as soon as they got in the desert, they were saying, "Man, Egypt was so good. We love that slavery stuff." <laughs> you know. The devil has a way of making, you know, the past remind you only of the little good bits. Man, I never had all this trouble when I was in the world. Liar. (laughs) Liar. (laughs) You're forgetting all the other mess that went on. Let's continue. Amen. We're talking about sanctification and the journey. Amen. Amen. So they had started out to go to Canaan, but then they stopped. Now, I'm going to come back to the story of Abram, but I want to focus on another word, consecration. What is the difference between consecration, sanctification, and holiness? Well, I've, I've given you two definitions. Holiness is the destination. Sanctification is the process. Now, I'm going to give you a definition for consecration. Consecration is the event. That starts the journey. It's usually when they said consecrate to me, Saul, it was an event. So it's related. It's the start of the journey. We're going to start this year with three weeks of consecration on this journey this year. We want to be strong this year because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. Maybe last year we were camping in Heron. It's time for us to put the 2023 has died. So let's leave 2023 now and start the journey anew. Let's leave all of that stuff, that mess, those disappointments, those discouragements, those failures behind. So consecration is usually speaking of this specific event or a start on the way of sanctification. Sanctification it takes time. It's the process. Holiness is the destination. So you can look at consecration as the point of the beginning. Let me show you that. Exodus thirteen two. God told Moses once they left Egypt, very shortly after they left Egypt, consecrate to me all the firstborn Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Now, why did God tell them that? Well, it was because he saved their firstborn. The night of the Passover, when the death angel passed over Egypt, All of the firstborn who should have died were saved. So in other words, they truly belong to God. He redeemed them. Symbolically then, he told the children of Israel, every time you have a firstborn, you got to consecrate that child to me. They were to do a special ceremony. They were to pay an offering. This is the reason why, this was the reason why many, many years later, David got in trouble when he numbered Israel and God was so angry. He might say, well, what was so bad about numbering Israel? Well, in numbering Israel, he did not make them take up the offering for the firstborn. He did a census and he knew he had, he sent the people out and they recorded who were the firstborn. And for many years, they had not, they had not done this. They had not done this consecration. You understand? In the New Testament, it says, we are the church of the firstborn. You know what that means? We belong to him. It is mine. Bible says you are not of yourself. You are bought with a price. We can't live any old way we want to. Not if you have gone down in that water not if you have taken on his name not if you have said i acknowledge you i come to you the bible says we are bought with a price consecration then is the event that starts the journey be holy to consecrate to be separate be hallowed so it is the start and it is related to sanctification because it is it designates the start of the journey so the reason why God told them that in Exodus 13 too, was because of what was happening some years before. You know the story, they went down into Egypt with just 70 and after a few generations they multiplied into a nation. And the Egyptians started to get concerned about this. So they decided they would start killing all of the firstborn. Remember? The judgment of the plague was just what Pharaoh had designated for the Jews, to kill the firstborn. That's what he had said, kill all of the firstborn males. So this was the reason why God said in Exodus, I have redeemed them. They belong to me. I saved all of them out of Egypt. Exodus 1:15. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shifra. And the other name was Pua, and said, when ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. See, this is exactly what the devil wants to do. To kill us. If you are a son of God, he wants to kill you. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. We go through life and we wonder all these fights we're in. It's, it's simple you're, you're a child of the king so Satan wants to kill you Pharaoh the devil has issued an edict as soon as they're born kill them, and see them upon this. if it be a son then he shall kill them but if it be a daughter then he shall live. he wanted to wipe out the Jewish race why? because Satan knew that it was through this Semitic line was going to come a Messiah he had, he had been told that in Genesis right? The seed of the woman is going to come and crush your head. He didn't know which line it was, but once he found out it was the Jews, all through history, you look at it, he's been determined to wipe them out, and he hasn't stopped even today. Then he shall kill him, but if it be a daughter, then he shall live. So the Jews, when they came out of Egypt, God told them, listen, your firstborn really belongs to me, because if you had been in Egypt, they would have died. But I have redeemed them. Because the children were to be killed, in Exodus six six, that wherefore saith the children of Israel, I am the Lord; I will bring you out. Here God is speaking to them, what He was going to do. These four statements are now symbolized in in, in modern day Judaism, in the passover ceremony which they called the seder they drink four cups of wine symbolizing these these statements the first statement god promised them was what i will bring you out now that should make you happy he can bring you out whatever situation you're in he can bring you out they were in bondage in egypt he can bring you out You may be in sickness, he can bring you out. You may have some relationship problem, he can bring you out. Then here's the next thing. I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And then the final cup is I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So that is celebrated in the Passover. And in fact, the very night that Jesus celebrated with them, he went through this ritual, even though you don't realize it. Let's look at it. Bringing out, remember, is the journey. So bringing out is actually about sanctification. The first step is sanctification, the bringing out of Egypt. And so it's called the cup of sanctification. Remember last week when we did communion, we took the cup and blessed it? I want to show you something in the New Testament here. Exodus 6, 6, I will bring you out. Exodus 6, 6, again, the cup of wrath. He says, I will rid you of your bondage. It's called the cup of wrath because he destroyed the Egyptians. Now, look at this, Matthew 26, 39. In his prayer, what did he say? If it be possible... Let this cup pass. The Egyptians suffered the judgment. Jesus was going to suffer the judgment, the cup of wrath. Do you see that? For us. The cup he was speaking about was this second cup. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, Not as I will. But then there's the cup of redemption. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. Then he says something interesting. The last cup, of course, is called the cup of acceptance or praise. I will take you to me for a people. Now, Jesus did not complete that last cup. He said, the next time I drink the cup with you, it will be in the kingdom. Do you remember that? He specifically said, the next time I drink that cup with you, it will be in the kingdom. So we are on that bringing out stage. We have passed from wrath because he took it. And we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Both the firstborn of man And the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all that open up the matrix being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. So God was not asking them to literally sacrifice their children. They were to sacrifice the firstborn of any animal. But their children, they were to redeem just as he had redeemed by paying an offering. They were to go to the temple and pay a specific offering in symbol of the redemption of the firstborn. So the firstborn belongs to God. Exodus thirty-four twenty, And it's the beginning of the consecrate part of the journey of sanctification. But the firstling of an axe thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou redeem, now if it was something like an, uh, an ass, which was too valuable, which was used as a work animal, they didn't have to kill the, the ass, but they'd have to offer a lamb. If thou redeem him not, then thou shalt break his neck, and all the first one of thy sons thou shalt redeem. And none shall appear before me empty. That's why you will see That Hannah, when God opened her womb and she had a child, she did what? She consecrated him back to the Lord. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then will I give him unto the Lord. All the days of his life, and there shall be shall no razor come upon his head. And so that's why Samuel was given to the Lord, because she was literally fulfilling the consecrate part of the sanctification. First Samuel one seven. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked for. Prayer is actually a petition. It's not begging, but it is a petition. Now, when someone comes to petition the king, they're doing it on the basis of some right. Right? When you petition the king, you're going to say, I'm, I'm petitioning you because on this, I, on this law, on this right. When we come before God, because we're the firstborn, we have a right to petition the king. We have a right to petition to ki- the king. God grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him, wherefore it come to pass, when the time was come after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition. Thursday we're going to talk about that. A prayer of petition. Which I asked of him, therefore also have lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. You understand, we are the firstborn. The Bible says we are of the church of the firstborn. That means we belong to him. We have been redeemed. The Bible says we are bought with a price. We are not our own. And so this month we are doing the consecration part of starting that journey of sanctification this year. 1 Corinthians 6.19 What knowing not that your body is the temple of, of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not of your own. This is why we don't get a lot of prayers or petitions answered, because we're not following the rules. We're not doing it the right way. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It means that we belong to him. Last week, we dedicated two babies. What we were doing was giving them back to God. The Bible says the spirit comes from God. We're just caretakers, right? When that vessel dies, it's going to return back to God. So as I said, Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. He was the price. That's why in the garden he says, let this cup. He wasn't talking about any cup. He was talking about the second cup. The judgment for the firstborn fell upon the Egyptians. The judgment for us being the firstborn fell upon him. Let this cup pass. I've said so many times, it wasn't the pain, it wasn't the nails. I don't believe it was the nails. Jesus had felt pain before. He'd he'd had suffering before. I think the thing that he did not want to experience, that he had never experienced, was the feeling of sin. He who knew no sin became sin. He had to feel what it feels like when we sin that guilt, that that embarrassment, that shame, that separation. That's why on the cross he said, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken Because that's how we feel when we've sinned. He had to get to that place to feel just as we are. That was the one thing up to that point Jesus had never experienced. He'd, he'd been spat upon. He'd been called all kinds of names. He had been hungry. He had been everything. But the one thing he had not experienced was the feeling of what it feels like when there's sin. The Bible said, he who knew no sin. That's why in the garden, he prayed, let this cup. He was speaking about the cup of wrath. Isaiah 53 describes all the things that was going to go on, that he was made sin and that he was going to, it pleased God that he should be a sacrifice for our sins. That's why we should be so thankful. And so grateful. All we have to do is leave her of the chaldees. All we have to do is start walking to him. The moment we come and we say, Jesus, forgive me. I believe he calls those things that are not as though they are. He sees us as the finished product. Not as the horrible twisted person we are. He declares us righteous. Isn't that something? Amen. He declares us righteous. So we are the firstborn. And so we start by consecrating on that journey. We are the firstborn and we belong to him. The General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn. Hebrews 12.23 To the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Amen. So the firstborn belongs to God. We belong to him. We should we should tomorrow morning when you wake up say I belong to him. When you wake up tomorrow just declare that out into the world. I belong to him. You know, that has such great benefits because Jesus went on in in, in his last prayer in John, I think 17 to 20 says No one can pluck you out of his hand. If you're in his hand, that's a safe place. That's a very safe, because no one is greater than the Father. No one can pluck. The only person who can pluck you out of his hand is you. You are the only one that can do that. But if you will stay in his hand, that's the best place there is. We are the firstborn. Ephesians 5.25 Remember, the church is typified as the bride of Christ. Husbands, love your wives. And Paul is comparing this. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's the redemption part. That he might, what? Sanctify it. That he might, in other words, separate it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. This is what's happening this morning. The word is washing all of us. It's having an effect on our hearts. I'm sorry I get choked up when I start talking about God's word. I can't help it. I don't want to. When I start to think of the power and what the word is telling me, even though I've read it a lot of times, I can't help it. The word is washing us right now. What I'm speaking to you, Jesus said in John, it says the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Everything that God does, he does it by the word. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the first begotten, of of the son of God. He was in the word. See, everything God does is by the word. And the word that is spoken right now is what is cleansing us. It's what's telling us about the journey, sanctification. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But it should be holy and without blemish. Only Jesus can do that. And he does it by declaration. By declaration. He declares us perfect. For by one offering he hath perfected forever. How long is forever? Forever. How long is forever? There's a condition. Those that are being sanctified. As long as you're on the journey, even if you're taking the first step, he declares us perfect. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? You don't have to have been in this thing 30 years. You don't have to have been a, a monk for 30 years. You just have to have faith and trust and believe and taken that first step. Coming back to Abraham, he told Abraham, listen, I told you to leave of the Chaldees, right? And I think it's in Genesis 17, finally when Lot left him, he said, now listen, Abraham, up on this mountain, as far as you can see, everywhere you walk, I'm going to give to you. Suppose some really rich, rich, rich person said, everywhere you walk in Milwaukee, I'm going to buy and give to you. No matter how tired you would be, You'd be walking till you drop. You'd go down to the east side, find the, the most swankiest hotels and be walking around them. Right? That's what God told Abraham. Keep the journey going because this is how you get to your destination. Abraham, everywhere you walk, I'm going to give it to you. Everywhere you go on to the... Isn't that what the, 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 the scripture says? That the devil will be Crushed. Under the soles of our feet. You keep walking that journey. That's all you have to do. I think Martin Luther King said something about it. He says, I might not get there. I can see it. So, consecration is the start. In Exodus, God told, set up a procedure. Before the high priest and the priest could minister, they had to go through this ceremony. Exodus 28, 41. And thou shalt put them upon Aaron. He's talking about the, the special garments that had been created for the priest. Aaron thy brother and his sons with him. And thou shalt anoint them and consecrate them. The anointing with the oil symbolizes today the Holy Spirit. And then again, sanctify them. Again, the priesthood was separate. They were not allowed to do a whole bunch of stuff. If you were a priest, you couldn't go in if your if your relative died, you couldn't go into the funeral. You weren't allowed to do that because that would defile you. If you were a priest, there was only certain things you could eat and nobody else could eat them. Sanctify, that means set these people apart because they're they're special. They're gonna they're gonna be coming before me, a holy God. They can't be profane, they can't be just anybody off the street. No, because I'm a holy God. They're coming on your behalf before me. So they have to be separated from everybody. Sanctify them. Why? That they may minister. In other words, so that they can serve unto me in the priest's office. Exodus 29, 33. And they shall eat those things wherewith the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify. They were to eat only certain things that had been Blessed and sanctified and were designated as the atonement sacrifice. They couldn't eat any old thing because they were to be separate. But a stranger shall not eat thereof. Because they are holy. In the New Testament, Paul says something. He says, we have an altar to eat from which they don't know of. Because all of these things in the Old Testament were symbols of a New Testament fulfillment. We'll get that. So defilement then stops our work. Defilement, that is Abraham parking for five years, stopped God's plan. He could have probably had Isaac earlier, but he decided he was just going to slow walk what god asked him to do remember it said god had said to abraham how how many years it could have been before he actually obeyed and then he took everybody with him then he stayed for 5 years it wasn't and then he still took lot luckily lot decided to separate himself cuz he was greedy <laughs> and then god spoke to him after lot was gone you read it it's in genesis 17. And the promise, God didn't change the promise. It's the same thing he told him in Genesis twelve one. Same thing he told him in Genesis 17 and 18. When the promise, I'm going to give you a son. He hadn't changed. God hadn't changed. Abraham took 25 years to receive the promise. The good thing is the journey is still there. The path is still there. All we have to do is start walking. Amen. And thou shalt eat those things where the atonement was made. The atonement in Hebrew there, it's kaphar. It means the covering. I've, I've preached before about the fact of the prodigal son, right? And and how he, he came to his senses and came back to his father. And he must have looked a mess. He was living with pigs. His clothes was all rotted. He must have stank. He must have looked a total mess and dirty. That's why the father met him way away from the house. Bible said he ran to him. And the first thing he did was he covered him. So that when he came back to the house, nobody could see how he was. Because the father had put the best, the best robe. He still looked like a son. The instant he came back, he put on the robe. And he put on the ring of sonship. And he escorted him back to the house. Nobody in the house. The servants didn't know, didn't know different. Oh, he's come back. Oh, he's still got the robe on and the ring. See what? The Bible says love coveth a multitude of sins. But defilement will stop our progress. Leviticus 21.10 And he that is the high priest among his brethren upon whose head. See, all of you. Are priests, if you've been filled with the spirit, the anointing oil has been poured upon your head. So this is what it says, and whose head the anointing oil was poured and that is consecrated to put on the garments shall not uncover his head nor rend his clothes. That means you were not supposed to um, defile the garments you were given. They defile them in, 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 a, in a ritual um, show of of sorrow if a relative or something died they would tear their clothes and they were ordered you cannot do that because defilement stops the work defilement stops the work you know what the high priest did the night when he was Jesus was brought before him he got so mad you read it that he tore his clothes stopping the Levitical priesthood. Why? Because Jesus is the end of the law. Do you see that? He got so mad, the high priest when Jesus was before, he tore his, his robes. What does it say here? He shall not uncover his head nor rend his clothes. But that was in fulfillment of the fact that the Levitical priesthood was now ended. We were entering a new priesthood with Jesus Christ. Defilement stops our work. Again, we wonder why we pray and we don't get stuff happening well. What have you done with your clothes? Is the anointing still flowing? You know what they had to do when that happened? They had to be re-consecrated. Once a year is the day of atonement. And during, the, during that period, seven days before the day of atonement, the high priest would lock himself in the temple because he could not afford to get defiled. He couldn't have somebody who was, un, you know, not a priest touch him or something come into his, that, that, that defiled him because if that happened, he could not do the ceremony. And if he tried to do the ceremony, he would die he had no guarantees anyway that's why they would tie a rope on them and he would have little bells on his garment so that he would he he alone was allowed on the day of atonement to go in before all the way to the ark of the covenant covenant and see through the the mist of the offering the glory of god and so he was going to take no risk 7 days before the ceremony, he would lock himself in because it took seven days if you were desecrated to become reconsecrated. So he wasn't going to take any chances because if anything happened before that day and he couldn't get back straight, he couldn't do the ceremony. Defilement stops our work. I'm preaching to me today. I'm preaching to me. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. I want all these words to apply to me. Neither shall he go into any dead body. Now, if we want to spiritualize that, don't go into doing dead works today. Don't go back to your dead stuff. Don't go be a grave digger and dig up your old, your old works. If we want to bring it into the modern times. In the Old Testament, he was not allowed to go near even if his mother died or if his child died. He was not allowed to go and mourn nor defile himself for his father or for his mother, neither shall he go out of the sanctuary nor profane the sanctuary of his God. Why? For the crown of anointing, uh, oil of his God is put upon him. I don't know if we revere the gift of the Spirit as we should, because that's what this is symbolizing. The crown of the anointing oil of his God is upon him. We live, I think, so far below what God has called us to be. If we were in the spirit as much as we have been called, if we were as consecrated as, there would be no devil could stand. There could be nothing that could stand before us. And that's why we're going to take this next three weeks to do as much as we can to prepare for what is coming this year. Now, how much more shall the blood of Christ? Now, if this was in the Old Testament, in Hebrews 9, 14, it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works? See, that's what he's talking about. Don't go near dead works. Don't go back to doing stuff that defiles you. And I'm thinking of me. I'm thinking of all the things that even lack of faith is a defilement. Lack of trust in God. Don't go back to dead works, but to serve a living God. See, we were redeemed to be kings and priests, and I'm running out of time. Revelation 5.8. This is our destiny. This is our reward, to be kings and priests. And when he had taken the book, that is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us. Again, it's because we are the firstborn. To God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. That is our destiny. That's what we have been called to. If you could stand with me. So many times I want God to just come and take me out of here. Lord, I don't want to deal with what I gotta deal with. John seventeen fifteen. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil or the evil one. They are not of the world. Remember, if we've been separated, we're not of the world. If you started that journey, we're not of the world. The moment he left the gates of Ur of the Child, he was no longer a citizen of Ur. He was not of Ur of the Child. The moment you decide in your heart, truly, to take that step, you are not of this world. Sanctify them. That means continue the journey. Keep them on this journey. How? Through thy truth. Again, it comes back to the word. Thy word is truth. There you go. I've got an an affirmation there. Jesus said, if you don't cry out, the rocks and the pipes will cry out. (laughs) Romans 8.35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the sword. Nay, in all these things we are more. Say it with me. We are more. Say it like you mean it. We are more. We are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. Amen. I hope you will take this study and meditate upon it. We're going to continue this next week. We're going to go into some all these steps of sanctification, holiness, consecration, and dedication. And let's, this next three weeks, turn off some of the distractions. He has promised, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Try him. Because we have been called to be kings and priests. Instead, we're walking around like a grain of sand. You know, the queen, when she was alive, she held herself a certain way. She walked with a certain noble bearing. She carried herself, and that's how we're supposed to be. We're royalty in disguise. Amen. We're going to close this Sunday school. Amen. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you will take these words and understand the greatness of our God and what he has called us to and the surety of his plan. All we have to do is take the step on this journey hallelujah father we thank you today for your word let it find good soil let it encourage us let it build faith lord let it wash us let us oh god come to the understanding that you have declared us perfect hallelujah that we can come boldly to a throne of grace there to receive mercy lord we need your grace and mercy poured out into our lives lord god we need your strength lord jesus lord we are going to sanctify ourselves we're going to start that journey this week we're going to consecrate lord god going to take your anointing oil of your Holy Spirit into our lives. Lord God, we're going to leave off some things this week. Lord God, we're going to seek your face, Lord God. We need some things fixed in our lives, Lord God. We appeal to you. We make our petition and our supplication with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. We thank you today for your blessing. Lord, we ask for your blessing in our second service. Lord, you speak to us, Lord God. Accept our worship. We lift up our hands and we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus name. Let's give God a praise offering this morning for he is great and worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Amen.